Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another episode of Empire Rates Beth the Podcast. I'm John Franklin, co-site expert with the guy to my left, Sean Dyer. Sean, we're coming back after a long week. I know you, the fans out there probably missed our voices, but uh, we had the All-Star break, and you know, biggest thing for Yankee fans, and New York fans in general, Aaron Judge, bringing home the title at the Home Run Derby. Yeah, the talk of uh, most baseball fans around the country, uh, a lot of talk of him being the next face of baseball, and rightfully so. He put on a he put on a show down in Miami. Uh, looked didn't look great in the beginning when Justin Bohr hit 22 home runs. I think shocked a lot of people. Um, Miami fans got real excited, but Judge answered with 23, which didn't seem possible based on their last matchup of the round, and you had. The most I think was around 15 prior to that, and then Borges 22. It's like, oh, geez, like how is anybody going to beat that? And uh, maybe Judge probably was the only person that could have, and he did. I mean, I was a real big, uh, I, I was a big adversary of Bohr after he went out there and did what he did. I hated the celebration. I'm sure, like for for the fans of baseball, yes, it was exciting. I will be the first to say it. And the amount of home runs he hit was very impressive. I understand, but you're going against the top home run hitter in baseball at the time, I would count your chickens before they hatch. You're you're celebrating with an entire stadium of people. I get it. The hype is huge. But he goes there he, and he does stupid things. He eats a donut out of somebody's hands and you know they're dabbing sweat off of his forehead and he's going nuts. Yes, I get your excitement, but you're 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 not going second. Somebody can walk you off and now he's done no better than a guy who's hit five home runs and lost in the first round of the home run derby. That that's just my opinion on the and the fact of the matter is nobody's gonna remember the fact that he put up that many home runs besides the fact that he put up that many home runs and lost. Right, I mean, it would be more memorable if maybe that was the final and he he thought he had it and then he lost. But it's, yeah. a, it's the first round. I think he got caught up in the hometown crowd. Those Miami fans were, were, were excited as they should be. They they had already had their defending champ John Carlos Stanton, who they thought was gonna repeat. He had already been eliminated. Big move from El Gary. Uh, yeah, El Gary stepped up, knocked out the defending champ, which another big, big uh, accomplishment for New York. But the Miami fans, they were expecting to see Stanton put on a show, and Stanton gave it his best, but he was already out. So I think it's like, all right, let's rally behind Boer. Nobody was expecting much, and I think obviously everybody was counting Boer out even before it started. Everyone expecting Judge to easily knock him out, if not win the whole thing. So I think he was kind of like just telling everybody, like, yeah, I'm here. I'm good. I get home runs. Uh, unfortunately for him, so can, Gary, uh, so can uh, Aaron Judge. Look, here's my final idea of the entire thing. My final thought of the home run derby was going into it, I hated the fact that the Yankees were putting two young guys in. I'll be the first to say it, but I'm, I'm a man who will humbly admit when he was wrong. And watching Aaron Judge put on the show he did and not – get out of his swing, kind of swing out of his shoes that a lot of guys tend to do when they enter the home run derby made me really happy. You know, he was hitting balls the opposite way that he was mishitting and they were somehow getting yeah. out of the park. Hitting balls to dead center and spraying balls to left field. It was like no no part of the field was safe from Aaron Judge because he was just going to get there, stay within his swing, and hit home runs the way he knows how to hit home runs as opposed to look for the inside pitch and yank it down the line to left field and just put on a show for people. So I truly appreciated the way he put on an Aaron Judge-type show in the classy fashion that he did. Even afterward, when they were interviewing him about his performance, hitting the home run, he attributed his success to his pitcher, finding the right spot to put the ball. It's just the class act that Judge is, and he's going to be for a long time. Yeah, you were definitely, last week we talked about you were worried about the home run derby with Judge and Sanchez. 
But really what what causes hitters to lose their swing when they participate in the derby is the trying to pull and uppercut everything. And Judge just went... It Not looked, once. Yeah. It looked butter. It looked so smooth. I him. mean, he just went with every single pitch. He was hitting balls out opposite field, dead center. And like you said, he every, half of those balls looked like he missed, and they were, they're going over. And then the ones he got a hold of went 500-plus. Hit the windows. Yeah. So I, he was about to bring the place down. But yeah, he uh, didn't fall into the trap that most a lot of guys do when they're doing the home run derby, which is uppercut and pull happy. So he, he stuck within his swing, like you said, and hit all fields, and it still worked out for him. He's a very, very strong man. Yeah, and you know, just to touch on it, uh, Judge didn't have the most spectacular All-Star game, but the fact of the matter was nobody really had a spectacular All-Star game in the batter's box. It was a pitcher's battle, pretty boring to watch yeah, from bit, my standpoint. Bit of, bit of a snooze fest. Um, I understand that it's a pitching league now. That's like We're seeing a lot of home runs this year in the regular season, but we're also seeing a ton of strikeouts. And we're looking at the best pitchers in the game in this in this one. Um, I mean, Max Scherzer started off the game, looked ridiculous. I mean, he's just nasty, really hard to hit. Same with Chris Sale, who started for the American League. So we're looking at some really good pitchers, and they they shut hitters down. Um, we didn't have any Yankees get a hit. Uh, Castro obviously was out with the injury, but Judge and Sanchez combined for 0 for 5. Uh, Conforto for the Mets, he's able to get say. a hit. He's able to get a single in his first at-bat, but then in his second one comes up, second and third, two out, bottom line, chance to win it, and uh, Kimbrell strikes him out. So overall, not much for the Yanks. I guess the most exciting thing for Yankee fans came from a former Yank with Robinson Cano hitting the game-winning homer in the 10th, uh, which is great for him. Got one home with a Corvette. Which is exactly what he needs after he signs exactly. for almost three hundred million with Seattle. Still, still a lot of um, salt. Yeah, I, well, it just. I mean, I saw a tweet. It was watching the. Someone said also watching the All Star game made them think what a Yankee lineup of Judge Sanchez and Cano would look like. And for me, it always. Whenever I think about the Cano contract, it's like we gave Els. It was the same year we got Ellsbury when he walked and. Yeah, Cano signed for more, but I think he would have been worth that extra investment based on how Ellsbury yeah, has I been. Uh, same thing. Well, also when Re- you give well, a guy... hindsight's twenty twenty. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if you also look at money, the money you give to Ellsbury, if you don't give him the money then in 2013, maybe 2015 you can make a run at Max Scherzer, who's been a lot of starting pitching, uh, a lot of starting pitching that gets signed as free agents, they don't work out that great. Um, like David Price hasn't been phenomenal, right. but Scherzer has lived up to his contract well, and more. Been, Scherzer last great. year won the Cy Young, and his stat line going into the All Star break, which he started, wasn't this as good as it was going into this year's All Star break. Yeah, he he's was better no statistically year. this year, and he won the Cy Young last year. Yeah, he's so. And he, I don't he's, know, he's dominant. Yeah, so that's like that's where I think. All baseball teams should make their investment, especially the Yankees, because the Yankees, for years, have had a problem developing pitching. That's right. been their big. A lot, most of their guys that are supposed to be the stud starters turn into relievers, like Dallin Batances, um, Phil Hughes, and yeah, Phil Hughes, Jabba Chamberlain. A lot yeah. of these guys that they don't work out in the rotation. To even it almost happened to Severino last year. You had to throw him in the pen, and he was great. Thankfully, he's now being able to pitch really uh, in, well the, in the rotation. He's been great. Starting, yeah. He was an All Star. He didn't. He didn't get in the game, but. He's been great, but a lot of the a lot of the Yankee starting pitchers in the past have turned into relievers. So when you're able to get develop relievers and they've developed hitters, 
pitching is where their money should go, as opposed to giving money to Ellsbury. And now look at you have look at your outfield. You have if Fowler is is healthy, you have him. You have Frazier, Judge, Judge Hicks, Gardner. You already have Gardner. It's just, and then you have Blake Rutherford, who's a young guy, but he's eventually going to make his way. He's going to he be there. Should guy. be a stud. So it just doesn't make. I guess when we signed Ellsbury, we didn't have Frazier. Uh, we didn't have Hicks. We didn't have Rutherford. But when you historically are able to develop hitters, pitching should be where you go. But um, yeah, and you know, pitching is uh, where they got their newest player, the New York Yankees. Pitching, they get rid of. Tyler Webb, and they go out and they get this first baseman, Garrett Cooper, from the Brewers, yep. who is absolutely raking in AAA right now. If For those of you that don't know, Sean's going to hit you with a little stat line about how well Garrett Cooper's been inside the batter's box. Yeah, so playing for the Milwaukee AAA team, Cooper in 75 games this year, hitting 366, 17 bombs, and 82 RBIs. Uh, the Ribbies jump off the page for me, 82 RBIs. In 75 about, games. Yeah, halfway through the year. Uh, obviously, it's the minor leagues, but if that was a, tri- a major league number, that would lead the bigs. Uh, I also like his strikeout-to-walk ratio, 48 Ks, 33 walks. Uh, it's not a, not a big gap there. OPS, uh, 1.080. Uh, I mean, he seems like a stud, 29 doubles. Uh, based the, on how the first base is gone, say, yeah. I, and Tyler Webb, in his he made I think six appearances for the Yanks, didn't blow me away. Yeah, it, wasn't, it was nothing special. Yeah, he was he didn't come up and say, "Oh, this is a great this is we a great lefty reliever." Him, yeah. He got Jason Shreve from the left side pitching much better. I love that guy. I love. Yeah, Jason he's Shreve. been great this year. I think um, he's awesome. Maybe reliever could be a, a deadline target. But I don't think I don't think you're going to really miss having Tyler Webb in your bullpen, and especially the, for this guy with the way that uh, first base has been a revolving door. Right, the way first base has gone, you could have Garrett Cooper maybe at first within two weeks. Maybe yeah, you I don't mean, know, you, especially because you've also had you've had poor play combined with injuries. So right now, I mean, G-Man Choi has held his own there he's for now. He's done all right. I, but small sample size. He's just not the most honest. I love G-Man Choi. I think he's got a good swing, especially built for Yankee. He's tailor-made for Yankee Stadium with that lefty swing. Yeah. Um, but it's just that he's not the most athletic guy. And no. a first baseman no. does not have to be athletic. But the way baseball players are nowadays, as opposed to back in the day, where the Yankees could have a guy like Jason Giambi, who you know, was not in the best shape of his life. Yeah, you, Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder. I mean, this guy's the Garrett Cooper come from Milwaukee. Prince Fielder played first base. There's no DH in Milwaukee. He played yeah. first base for a while. Not yeah. an in-shape man. Yeah. But but now it's transitioning to more of an athlete-type game. And absolutely. this guy's coming in, and he's, what is he, 6'6", 230? Yeah. That's yeah. a big man. Very and, big boy. And seemingly athletic, the way his stats jump off the page, for me at least. Um, but first base is also a situation in New York where we could see a little subway trade action. Uh, Lucas Duda is rumored to be a possible option for the New York Yankees by the end of the season. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are predicting that. A lot of rumors uh, regarding that. And for the Met or for the Mets, it it doesn't make any sense to hang on to Duda. He's a free agent at the end of the year. And it'll be a good move for the Yankees. Absolutely, the Mets need to get rid of him. They're not going anywhere. Nats are too good. Uh, the NL West is probably going to take both wild card spots. 
Yeah. Uh, so you're you gotta get rid of the, your expiring contracts. Get something for them before they leave in free agency. So it makes sense for the Mets to do it and for the Yankees, absolutely. Like you said, with G-Man Choi's left-handed swing, Duda's Duda. even better from the left side. Would do well in Yankee Stadium. Also, not an athlete per se, a little of a bigger guy. But yeah, I think he's. Uh, but he's been around the block though. Yeah, and he's been successful. Uh, he's played in New York. He wouldn't have to move any of his stuff. Just take the subway over. Uh, I think it would definitely be a good move for both sides. And I think the best thing for the Yankees in terms of a due to trade is Bryant Cashman has recently been has repeatedly said stuck behind Greg Bird through the injuries, saying that he's our first baseman of the future. That they may look if he can't get healthy this year, they may look to upgrade for this year, but don't want to really block look past him. Greg Bird. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They the plan is. No matter no matter what happens health wise with Bird the rest of the season, is for him to be the first baseman opening day twenty eighteen. Yes. So you don't want to go out and get a guy. There's been rumors that they're looking into Justin Bohr, but he's a guy that would still be under control for a few years and could block Greg they Bird. They would hold off Bird way too uh, fiercely, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's I Bohr, as we said, put on a great show at the Derby, and I think he he's in left handed swing that'd be a monster in the Yankee Stadium. But I think Greg Bird's left-handed swing could also be yeah. a monster in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So I don't want to get rid of prospects to get a, a Boer that's going to block a guy that we already have that could may even be better than Justin Boer. So I think Duda's perfect because you bring him in, won't cost you as many prospects because he's a, he's a rental. You put him at first for the next couple months, second half of the year, let him, let him go in free agency, and Greg Bird's right back there in 2018. So I think... He rental first base options would be what the Yanks are looking for, whether it's Duda or Yonder Alonso out in Oakland. But yeah, it definitely would make sense uh, for both teams. I think in New York. Yeah, it would be a good trade. But the other thing that the trade would do is for the Yankees, especially with the return of Starling Castro, who's going to come back from injury. Matt Holliday going to come back from the freak viral infection that yeah. completely put a halt to his first half of the season. Let's completely stray away from the Duda thing in the first place. Let's say the Yankees said the team they have right now, bringing back Castro, bringing back Holiday. What do you think the second half holds for the New York Yankees? I think offensively, all they got to do really is get healthy. I understand the first base has been terrible, and when I say get healthy, in my mind, Greg Bird's done. I don't think he's yes, coming back this year. When I say get healthy, I'm talking about Castro. I'm talking about Holiday. Talking about Aaron Hicks down and the road. I think Hicks is going to be the one of the biggest proponents the the second half being good. Yeah, he yeah, he was phenomenal before his injury and it was he really was playing at an all-star level and it really was terrible that he had to go down with that injury. But if he gets healthy, you have Judge in right, Hicks in center, Gardner, and then your your other your third after you have Gardner, you have Ellsbury, you have Frazier, you got options there. Holly's a DH and then you have Castro, Didi up the middle, Sanchez behind the dish, of course. And then yeah, your corner infielders haven't been great, Headley. But Headley has picked it up. He hasn't been. I think he, you're he, you're a safe bet with Headley. Yeah, that? he's he's a solid baseball player. He's a veteran. He's been he's been around the league for a long time. Last season had a terrible start to the year, but then picked it up in the after after the first two months. Actually played pretty well, but when you average it over the whole season, he was so bad in the beginning that when you look at the numbers from 2016, it's like this guy was. Terrible. Yeah, he wasn't as bad as the numbers show. That's why you can't always look just at the numbers. You got to watch the games. And then this year came out of the gate firing in April, had a terrible May, but then his June was better. So I think he's been hit or miss, but he's a solid third baseman. You, you could do worse. And if 
worst comes to worst, you could put Ronald Torres in there. Who I love that guy. I he's one of my favorite players, just anywhere, and he's you, he's such a lovable guy. He's so small, you got to root for him. People forget he's shorter than Aaron Judge. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's it's very. It's hard with the naked eye. You can't really tell. But yeah. When you put them back to back, yeah, he comes right. up. He comes because when bit they short. when they high five, the way Ronnie can jump, they look like they're, yeah, they're get, both. Six he gets seven. up there, and sometimes you confuse Ronald Torres for with Ronald Torres and Didi on each other's shoulders. Yeah, it's, exa- it's, exactly. They look very similar. I get it. But yeah, so when Torres, speaking of Didi, when Torres was at short, being the year when Didi was hurt, he held his own. He was really good. He was. There was a certain point very early in the year, but he was leading the team in RBIs with all these other sluggers. He was leading the team, so I think offensively and defensively he could hold his own if he needed to. And if you don't make so if you don't make any trades offensively, third base between Headley and Torres could hold it down. And first base, Greg Bird is probably done, but Tyler Austin could come back. And then G Man like we said, has been okay. And maybe this Garrett Cooper kid can make his way up pretty soon. I mean, he seems based on numbers alone, like I just said, numbers aren't everything. But based on just the numbers, because that's all we have on Cooper right now, he appears ready for the major leagues. He seems yes. to have mastered AAA in terms of the offensive side of things. I agree. So I think you have internal options to to hold down the offense. You also have Tyler Wade, who's he hasn't been. Fi- I mean, we've gotten used to with Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Clint Frazier, these rookies coming up and just smacking the ball, looking like the best player in baseball, which is uncommon. Which Yankee fans. I'm sure they realize, but we have recently been blessed with just phenomenal rookies just yep. breaking into the into the league. So Tyler Wade will take some time. I know the Yankees definitely believe in him. Wade's got so, Wade is the perfect bottom of the lineup guy. He's yeah. just he's not a power hitter. He'll never hit for huge power numbers, but his swing is so pure that he'll always be a good contact hitter. And if you give him a pitch to hit, he'll drive it. Yeah, and he's got a great eye. Well, that's what I've been impressed with so far. Is he doesn't swing discipline. a lot of pitches out of his discipline's really good. And he's fast. He's really fast. Yeah. So if you have, if you if he gets on, say he even just works a walk, steals second. Now he's, he's on. Now he's in scoring position for the top of the order. Yep. So he's good. You have Miguel Andujar came up three for four, four RBIs. Apparently it wasn't good enough. Went right back down. But it was it was a certain uh, roster move. But he went back down. But if he comes up, he could play third. So there's options there offensively, starting pitching. Tough to look at, but Severino's your bright spot. Yeah, so Sevy looks like an ace. Tanaka has pitched better. His last, what do you say, two, three starts? Yeah. Second half, yeah, first I half? Yeah, CC, you know, obviously his st- first start back from injury wasn't great, but he also didn't have a rehab start, you have to remember. Right. So I think I think you said this last week that it was, you're going to hope that it was his rehab start. Absolutely. And, it's, if, and knowing CC the way that guy has been his entire career, he's ready to get back after it. So... Those three guys are of their own. You hope will be the the focus, like hold down pieces. Jordan Montgomery's been great. He's been the most consistent pitcher of the staff. Yeah. The way I, I look I, at it, I, thinking back of the first half, I don't remember him having a terrible start no. where he got rocked. Where Severino has been the best starter, but, he, but he's, he's had, had a couple yeah. ones where he gets he gets shelled. Um, I think Toronto Toronto's knocked around a couple times. But Montgomery, almost every single time out, you're gonna he's gonna give you an opportunity to win the game. Yes. And if we have a healthy offense that we just listed, that that team's gonna win most of Montgomery's starts. Yes, sir. If he if he repeats his first half, Pineda, he's probably, just yeah. He's, he's the only up thing and down and all over. The only thing consistent about Pineda is inconsistency. Exactly. And it's been his well not said. just this season, but his career and 
the first half of the first half, the first quarter, he looked like a new a new pitcher. He looked yeah. he seemed to have turned a corner where he figured out and how it was to be consistently good. He had I think it was like 7 or 8 starts where he was great every game. He was he was he gave the Yanks the opportunity to win every single game and then something turned off. Yeah, he yeah. just and then he's been a same it's and it's not that he's every time out there he's terrible, but it, it it seems to be almost every other great start, terrible start, and it's but and it's not just it's never bad starts, it's terrible starts. Yeah, which is the biggest. They don't even issue. give you a chance to no, win. No, it's it's third innings over and we're down eight and the game's over and you just Tanaka's I, have you, those two. Oh, absolutely. But as a career, Tanaka gives you reason to believe that he'll turn it around. Yeah. And his last couple starts hopefully made you believe that too. Well, except for the last one against the Brewers, where he gave up five in the first two or four in the first two right. innings. That's like oh uh, yeah. So so the home his real issue is home runs. If he keeps guys in the in the park, he's the fine. But, 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 but Panetta gets yeah. hit hard certain games, so he's a big issue. And then bullpen has got to get straightened out. Chapman, now that he's healthy, hopefully we'll be able to. He looked really good against the Brewers. Yeah, struck day. out the side. So hopefully he's getting ready. Clippard. Needs to needs to leave. Yes. Uh, so there's something because it's please go. If away. you watch his post game pressers after he gets rocked, he's like I felt good. I, it's just it, the result wasn't there, but I'm feeling good. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's like, dude, this is like six straight appearances where you're getting shelled, and you think what, you're getting there. And he's yeah, what? Where are you go? Where are you getting yeah. to? <laughs> like, like I don't understand what we're getting to or how what you feel it's good like, about. It's like the GPS just keeps saying recalculating, it, but he keeps driving. He just keeps going. So he's like, no, I know there. this is the right way. Yeah, I don't I, care <laughs> if they said to make another turn. I know where I'm going. I'm supposed to keep going straight. It's like, no, you got to change something up. Um, and then we just lost Tyler Webb. As I said, won't be a huge loss. Shreve has been good, like we said. Chad Green Adam has been Warren, great. Adam Warren and Chad Green. Warren back, Warren back from injury is big. Him and because him and Green can both. If you have a start, that only goes like four or five. Only goes four or five. They could each give you two and yeah. get you to the Batances and Chapman and Batances. He's got to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, All Star game. He was he got the most action out of it all. Not that the most action. He pitched anything in the All Star game. And beginning of the inning, he struck out a couple guys, and he's like, "Oh, great! His curveball was filthy, unhittable." It's like, "Oh, this he's he's back. Second half looking good." And then walks a couple, couple wild pitches. He walked. He had the bases loaded. Able to get out of it with no runs. But I mean, our blood pressure is not going to be great the second half if he's doing that consistently, putting runners on base like that. Right. So, second half prediction uh, for the Yanks. If with a healthy offense, if they make no trades, we'll say hypothetically no trades, we're three and a half back of the Sox. Three and a half back of the Sox, but four and one against the Sox so far this and year. And they a four-game set coming out of the break. Yeah, open up with four games. In Boston. Yeah, I think. And that's going to be the make or break of the second The half. big thing, because the Yankees have struggled, obviously, lately, but overall in the season, they've Played well against the their Sox, division rivals, yeah, the Sox and the whole AL East. They've struggled outside the division, so I think they can catch the Sox. I really do. I, um, people that know, me, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that are saying, "Oh, you're a Yankee fan, obviously, you're not gonna say the Sox are gonna stay out in front." But the the Sox got their struggles too. Their bullpen isn't great either. Kimbrel's been nasty, but aside from that, no one that really comes in and shuts it down. Their third base is worse than ours. Um, and they they're just not hitting home runs without Ortiz in that lineup. 
But their pitching is is there. I mean, Chris, when you have Chris Sale, almost it's it's a shock if he's not keeping you in the game. Yeah. Uh, Porcello hasn't been as good as he was last year, his Cy Young year, uh, and Price Price has been okay. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been, maybe not worth the money, but he's been good. Uh, I will say, I think the Yanks make the playoffs. Right. I agree. Don't we all? I think the Yanks make the playoffs. I don't think there's much argument around the league that they're not even at least grab a wild card spot. I think it'll be tight at the top of the division. I my final prediction of the Yankees going into the second half is this: if the Yankees are within two games of the Sox heading into the last two weeks of the season, they take the division. I think they put enough pressure on to take the division. If it's like this three and a half to four game spread. They're going to sneak in the wild card, and they're going to give a good run for their money in, in the playoffs. On the flip side of things, in Queens, the Mets are not going to make the playoffs. I'm not even going to give you the rightful opportunity to make a prediction about them. Like you said prior to this, the NL West is going to hold the wild card spots. Yeah. No one's catching the Nationals. They're too good. No. The Mets are terrible. Yeah. I don't care who's <laughs> listening out there. I don't care what your opinion is. The Mets are awful. And you predicted that Ahmed Rosario would come up, and that seemed like a sure thing. And there's still a question mark about it. I don't know what's going on in the Mets' realm of things that he hasn't gotten a nod to get called up yet. There's still a little time for that to happen. But here's the bottom line, Mets fans, and I'm going to put it quite bluntly. And you could think what you want to think about me. You could think what you want to think about this podcast, but more directed towards me than Sean. Sean's a nice guy. I'm not as nice as I sound. (laughs) The Mets aren't good. They are not a good team. They do not have anything going for them. Their pitching is terrible. That should be their one bright spot. Their hitting doesn't put up enough runs to carry them through anything. It is just a dumpster fire, and I would love for somebody to put it out. Ahmed Rosario is your first step, and your front office can't even bring him up. So here's the deal. You're going to have to suffer again. I'm sorry that you all thought that this was the Mets' town all of a sudden. I get get what you think. I get what you can think because of recent success but no ring if I remember correctly they lost to the Royals if the, if, if my memory serves me right um, I believe that's what happened yes your best pitchers continually get hurt and that's pretty much my opinion on the Mets if Mets Rosario doesn't come up I will come back next week and I will just say to you again the Mets are terrible I have no more updates on them and that's all I have to say about that so so <laughs> Alright, tough to follow that up. But so I'll, here's what I'm gonna say. So the Mets the, they could they could try and blame the year on on health and injuries, which it would be a fair argument. They have they've had terrible luck with the injuries. Uh, like you said, the pitching staff is supposed to be a strength, and it's not that their their top five guys are struggling. Their guys are hurt and they're bringing up other kids that aren't 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 performing. Um, so I guess the hope is that they'll get healthy next year. Uh, and yeah, they could get healthy. Like we just said, the Yanks get healthy, then their offense can be turned back up. Turned back up. But the problem with the Mets is if they get healthy right now, if you could just have a magic wish and no one's on the DL for the Mets and they're back, it's just it's too big a hole for them to catch the Nats. And every Mets fan knows that. And it's even become too big a hole with the wild card. It's just it's a tough year to be a fringe playoff team in the NL because of how well the Rockies, D-backs, and Dodgers are playing out West. So here, I think the first step, I think the first step, you obviously, I agree that Ahmed Rosario should be called up. I think the first step should be to fire the entire training staff because yeah. they, Something they're whatever doing. their pitchers are doing, 
in between their starts is not working. And even their even their offensive guys aren't playing well. So I think step one, get rid of the training staff. Step two would 100% be call up Rosario. I mean, I mean we've, we've talked about the stats before, and since we last talked about him, he's still hitting 327 in AAA. I mean, I don't know really what you're looking for, uh, Matt's front office, but I guess... They're waiting for him to be able to flip like Ozzy Smith did I, when he would get on the field. That's it. He, they're looking for a Derek Jeter, or I don't know what they're looking for, honestly. it's But here's the second half. The bright spots for the Mets in the second half is one... The eventual promotion of Rosario. There's no way we go an entire second half of the MLB season and this kid's not you'd, you'd in be surprised. Queens. Right? Yeah, we talked about, in our first, very first podcast. We talked about how we thought he was coming. It was almost here, and it's still not here. And my final thought was, he would be here before the All Star break, and we're now coming out of the All Star break, and he's still not here. But he did play in the MLB Futures game, and they asked him about a, an eventual promotion and he said I'm 100% ready That's, I mean that, he, the man the kid's confident the 21 year old kid who just said on national television basically calling out his front office saying I'm ready like what are we doing like why am I still down here and obviously he's not going to go out and say that but that he is ready and if you I don't know I don't think many Mets fans any, I haven't talked to a Mets fan that has disagreed that he should be up because there's certain things a lot of a lot of people outside of a certain team's fan base have opinions on teams, and every like maybe all twenty nine other fan bases agree something should happen, but there's fans for that team that can come up with reasons why it's not happening. Yeah, uh, like for instance, like maybe maybe there were teams that didn't think the Yankees should trade Andrew Miller at the yeah. deadline last year because he wasn't a free agent, but there me included, there was Yankee fans that were like I understood. That yeah, this it made this sense immediately. This isn't the team. We're, we're rebuilding. I don't think there's a Met fan that says, no, 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 Rosario should still be in AAA. He, that's where he should be. I don't think that those exist. Uh, certainly the ones that I know don't think that. Uh, but eventually he'll be here. Uh, knock on wood. But So that's the that's one exciting thing to look for with the Mets. And uh, other, other thing for Mets fans to look forward to, is maybe I mean they're going to sell the deadline. I don't think there's any debate about that. The hope is they could have a similar deadline to the 2016 Yankees. It won't be quite that big because they don't have. Those I mean Chapman guys. Miller were just huge names. Yeah. Uh, Belt. I mean they get Beltron. What we got for Beltron and and Ivan Nova. They could get those kind of guys for their guys. But their big name. I mean Duda is a rental. They won't get a ton for him. Uh, Neil Walker. I mean, he's had, he's had problems with his health. But there's guys, Duda, Walker, Cabrera, who we mentioned, who we've talked about, doesn't even want to be there. Uh, Addison Reed, I think, is pro- probably get the biggest return for them because teams need relievers. Yeah. Uh, any every You never have enough pitching, starting or in the pen. But, I mean, if you want to trade to a division rival, the Nationals are in dire need of a reliever, or 10. I mean, their bullpen is been dreadful. I mean, it's the only thing holding them back. So, if, I mean, I don't know if the Mets want to help out the Nats go to a World Series. They probably don't. But if the Nats want to back up some prospects and say, here you go, please give us Addison Reed, I wouldn't. If that's if the best offer is for Reed is coming from the Nats, I would do it. Uh, but you'll probably get something good for him. Maybe you get something for Granderson. 
Jay Bruce also will get a good return because he's had a great year, uh, yeah. power wise, driving in runs. So I think the the next aside from Rosario is the prospects is the name of the excitement for the Mets. It's prospects. Rosario being an existing one, Dominic Smith probably won't come up this year for the Mets. He's the number two prospect, but he's having a real good year in the minors. Uh, he should be up maybe 2018. Maybe he's there. That's probably why. That's probably when they move on from Duda. He probably takes over at first. Maybe he takes over the second half if they get rid of Duda. But he'll be taking over at first in the next year, maybe. Rosario's at short. you got guys that are going to come in and take these spots that these veterans are holding on to right now. Um, and you, So, yeah, you hope that you are able to sell these guys for the most you can get them with these, with these rentals. Um, maybe maybe trade them. I mean, if you can get Matt Harvey healthy, you probably won't get Matt Harvey healthy in time. But maybe this offseason, this winter, a healthy Matt Harvey gets you some big-time prospects. Because I think the way he's pitched and acted in New York, I don't think I don't think the Mets front office may not have a problem getting rid of him. I think fans would understand it. So that's probably like because you have guys. Obviously, Chapman got the Yankees a ton, but the big returns because the the Yanks got Glavitores for Chapman, but they got Frazier and Justice Sheffield for Miller because there's years of control left on the contract. If you can get rid of guys that aren't rentals, that's where you get the big prospects right. from. So the big guys that obviously all Mets fans want to be traded are Walker, Duda, Reyes, Granderson, Cabrera. Cabrera, Reed, and and Bruce. And these guys should be traded because you're gonna you may lose out and not get anything for them. But they may not bring you the big time prospects that Mets fans are craving. So at that point, you may have to look into trading a Harvey or a Mats, um, as much as you may not want it. Because if you if you rebuild the offense with young prospects, great pitching. I mean, Mets Mets know what great pitching and no offense turns into. Yeah, it's it's not World Series rings. I mean, the yes, they made a one World Series appearance on the backs on the back of Tyler, uh, Daniel Murphy. I mean, I, I know he's not supposed. I know Mets fans don't like that name nowadays. The way he's been well, playing in, uh, in DC, it's true. But that's where you, if you don't have if you don't have the offense. It is. I mean, I, we mentioned before it's a pitching league. But if you don't have enough offense to score any runs, having a great rotation doesn't do a whole lot. And if you have Syndergaard and Degrom, and Wheeler, you could trade as well. But if you have Syndergaard and Degrom, that's a that's a, that's a good start to a rotation. You'll be okay. And you have Lugo and Selman. There's other guys that could take over for a Harvey or a Matz. So maybe you trade those guys and get big prospects. Um, so yeah, that's where the excitement is going to come. Rosario and more prospects coming in on trades. But yeah, in terms of the second half prediction, that's all we really know is going to happen is a deadline fire sale of sorts. And some early tea times for golf come yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, and but so, I mean, hopefully, I I think Rosario, when he comes up, that's my prediction will be when Rosario does come up that he He's not going to hit 327, but he's going to be he's going to be a stud. He's really going to he'll prove his worth. Yeah, he's going to and we you and I had been clamoring for quite a while about Brian Cashman not calling up Aaron Judge for a while and it's safe to say now that Cashman waited long enough. He picked a good time. He struggled at the second half of last when he came up last year, and now he's obviously one of the better players in baseball. So, I Maybe maybe Rosario is the same case that he's they've waited just long enough when they call him up and he hits the ground running and he's a stud. Uh, I hope I hope so. I I'm a Yankee fan, but I don't root against the Mets. No, me there's either. really no reason to root against the Mets. The rivalry isn't quite like there's no Roger Clemens throwing bats at Mike Piazza. It's 
And right now, there's nothing crazy. They don't play each other enough to have a great rivalry. Right. Um, so I don't root against them. It's just so, territorial. Yeah. So I, I mean, you're either one or the other. But it's the, liking one doesn't mean you got to hate the other. So I, I, I don't root against them. So I hope, hope they can get healthy. At least put some competitive teams on the field. Get get Syndergaard healthy. I mean, it's good for baseball to have Noah Syndergaard thrown every five days. Um, so yeah, hopefully Rosario comes out, plays well. Maybe Dominic Smith. I think Dominic Smith actually could be the first baseman when they trade Duda. Um, maybe to the Yanks. So, in terms of second half prediction, no playoffs. Deadline fire sale. And hopefully some better play. And hopefully you guys stick around for what's to come. We're talking hardwood when we come back. Empire Rights back. back once again this is empire rights back the podcast i'm john franklin he's sean dyer and we're going to keep this uh, a little light here we're going to talk a little basketball but we don't want to spend too much time on it something too spectacular we're going to kick things off with the knicks knicks uh making us well, not really a splash just re-signing uh one of my favorite basketball players to watch ronnie baker from wichita state one of my favorite guys to watch Shocker and pride uh, they went out and got Tim Hardaway Jr., who is one of my personal favorite players to watch as well when he was in college at Michigan. Just a pure player, a uh, good swingman, shooting guard, maybe a stretch three kind of guy. I think he'll be very good for the Knicks moving forward. Uh, outside of that, nothing really going on besides some rumors for Carmelo, Sean, and to your Rockets. You're a Rockets guy. So. Yes, I'm a Rockets guy. Um, yeah, so there's a rumor is... That Melo is, as we I think we've reported before, that uh, Melo willing to waive his no trade clause to go to the Rockets or the Cavs. It seems like it's going to be the Rockets. Uh, New York Daily News reporting the deal is at the two yard line. Uh, little football reference. That's almost almost a done deal. There, I haven't seen much reported on what the Knicks may get back. Um, I, early on, there was reports it would be Ryan Anderson. Maybe a Trevor Ariza, maybe an Eric Gordon, probably some uh, some draft picks. But uh, I, I've mentioned that I don't think the Knicks fans appreciated Melo like they should have. At the same time, as a Rockets fan, I I want to be excited about Melo coming to the Rockets. I think he's I think he will be better on a on a winning team. I think that's where he belongs. I think everybody knows that the best Melo is Olympic Melo. When he's surrounded by stars, he's able to succeed. So I think putting him at Harden and Chris Paul will be good for them. Uh, and for the Knicks, we talked about I, We think it's time to move on. It's time for them to turn the page. Um, they turned the page. They just hired a new GM, uh, Scott Perry, who was the executive vice president of basketball ops with the Sacramento Kings. So they're turning a new page there, starting the Postville Jackson era. His first order of business will likely be moving to the post-Carmelo Anthony era and moving him out and starting the roster over, uh, building around Nalikina, Porzingis, Hardaway. And ultimately trying to find a you know, veteran guard to bring in to help Nalikina through his uh, process of being a rookie. Right, yeah, so he, he's coming over from overseas. It's going to be some transition. Uh, I think it's, it, it is good that he's played pro basketball. Um, sometimes international guys develop quicker than college guys sometimes the other way around so yeah um, 
we had mentioned on the last podcast how we didn't want it to be Derrick Rose. I don't think any many Nick fans do. Uh, but the the names that are being thrown around there are Rajon Rondo, who I we think we both like yeah, as a I'm, potential I'm a, I'm a Rondo fan. Uh, mentor for Nikina. And the other names are Ramon Sessions, who's a good veteran guard. Uh, he's a good player. Uh, I'll also, teach you something. Yeah, he's also a big a good mentor. He's not going to be a starting guard in the NBA. Where mm-hmm. I think Rondo could. The other the other name is Eric Bledsoe. I think Bledsoe and Rondo could both they be could starting point start, guards. Yeah. Where Sessions I think is a little more of so a backup. If it he's a, he's a kind of backup that you throw him in, if he's if it, your starter gets hurt he could take care he of the starting down, dude yeah. he's like a Matt Moore for the Dolphins when when you're starting quarterback he's the best starting backup quarterback best backup point guard you could probably have right um, so the I think Bledsoe that if the Knicks get Bledsoe I per, I'm personally a big Eric Bledsoe fan I I think he's underappreciated I don't think he's gets the credit he deserves in the NBA I think he's a good guy a good player. Uh, even back from when he was at Kentucky, so I think he would be the most exciting one for the Knicks as a as a pickup for a veteran point guard. Maybe Rondo's the best fit, uh, but there's also uh, a lot of reports that Rondo's has mutual interest with the Knicks, but also with the Lakers. So maybe he goes over with the Lakers. Um, but yeah, so they'll add a veteran point guard at some point to go with Nalikina. They got Hardaway now. They re-sign Ron Baker. Um, they'll move on from Mello, and they're probably they're going to get at least one player back from him, whether it's Anderson. Uh, I think Anderson's not a great fit with the Knicks because he's a stretch four, and it's kind of what Porzingis is. Um, but Ariza or Eric Gordon would be good gets for the Knicks because they would instantly go probably go into their starting lineup. Uh, we got Willie Hernan Gomez. Um, yeah, and then the big guy, obviously, Joakim Noah is going to probably hold him back for a while with that contract. Yeah. But uh, the Knicks... Have officially, I almost, I think it's official, moving on from the Phil Jackson era by hiring Scott Perry. We obviously know Phil Jackson's done, but they now have his successor, and then uh, pretty soon we'll have the post Carmelo Anthony era, which Nick fans, I think nobody's upset that we're moving on from Phil Jackson. Carmelo Anthony probably there's probably mixed feelings. I said he's underappreciated, but I, don't, I think people don't want him to leave so much. I have a lot, plenty of fans still love Melo. He's still the face of the Knicks. And people don't want him to go. And I think once he does go, that's when people will... Knicks fans, you're going to miss Carmelo Anthony when he leaves. You may yeah. not, Some may not realize it now. You don't appreciate what you got till it's gone. And you're going to you're going to miss him. And you should root for him whenever he goes. Whether it's the Rockets, the Cavs, or elsewhere. Because he's, yep. he's a good guy. He's, he's, he's never wronged anyone. No, he's always been... He's never had any issues off the field. He's a good guy. Uh, good player. So, you root for him as he... Uh, tries to win a championship. Obviously, for Knicks fans, you're not winning one in the next couple of years. So root for your guy Carmelo to go get one somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm a big proponent of Carmelo as well. I think the Knicks are doing the right thing, um, moving into different directions. I think Tim Hardaway could be probably a leader of the future for this team. I know Kristaps is obviously the player of the future, but you kind of want that core guy who's going to work hard. I think Tim Hardaway is that guy. But transitioning a little bit here. Brooklyn Nets time, probably the one splash we're getting out of New York right now is the trade um, that is ex- you can explain it, but is pretty inexplicable. Um, <laughs> Nets trade seven footer Justin Hamilton for Damari Carroll, a future first round and a future second round pick from the Toronto Raptors. So 
I'm going to let that sink in for those of you listening. I'm sure you all know it, but it's it's nice to hear it and kind of listen to it. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know who Justin Hamilton is, uh, he is a career average of six points a game, just under seven points a game last year for Brooklyn. Uh, averages around four rebounds a game. I mean, he averages 17 minutes a game. He's not, he's not much of a player. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a backup at best. It, prior to last year, the most games he ever played in in an NBA season was 24. Played 64 for the Nets last year, including Thus seven. proving how terrible the Nets are. Right, including seven starts. He's basically a guy that only plays, who would only, only would have played really for the Nets. He's one of those guys that gets an opportunity to play for one of the bottom teams in the league to try and show his stuff. But, I mean, the numbers aren't, they don't jump out of you. They don't impress you really at all. So he's uh, not someone you would typically think would net you Damari Carroll, who's a very good player, one of the better very defensive talented, one of the yeah. better defensive players in the league, could score as well. And then you get uh, two future picks, one in the first, one in the second. So what really happened for those fans that are not really understanding how someone could pull this deal off and thinking, oh, my God, the, the Nets general manager just somehow – Pulled, uh, pulls the steal here. What happened with this really is it's a salary dump. The Raptors already had DeMar DeRozan locked up to big money. And then this offseason did the same with Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. So they were run out of cap space. And so they needed to get rid of a contract. And they chose to get rid of DeMar Carroll's. And so here's the bright spot. Here's the positive of being a bad team like the Brooklyn Nets. When you are this bad, you don't have many big contracts on your books and you have the salary cap to take on a contract like Damari Carroll and not only do you take on the contract but you also get a really good player and then in order to to incentivize you to take on that contract the Raptors are going to give you two picks Right. so the Raptors are a good team so that future first will probably be towards the end of the first round but Damari Carroll is a good player so you put you add him and D'Angelo Russell so far this offseason those are two Pretty good young players, Russell even real young. So you, I mean, you've added some talent. So. They're two guys you could build the franchise around. Yeah. They really are. I mean, I'm not saying one of them or both of them are going to be superstars in this league, um, but they are two guys that are going to be good players, potential great players that you know could end up being the reason a team like the Nets make the playoffs sooner or later. You know, I think that. Um, it's a good move for the Nets. Obviously, it's hard to make moves the way everything is structured for them with the trade that they made a few years ago that anybody can harp on whenever they want. <laughs> yeah. But the Nets are a good team with this front office move. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to turn any heads. They're not going to win a ton of games. But they're proving to their fans that there are moves to be made and they're making them. Right, so the 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 front the front office that made that trade with the Celtics that has essentially set their franchise back a decade or something close to that. This isn't the front office that made that deal. That front uh, office is gone, gone and yeah. they brought in a new one. And this front office has shown that they know what they're doing. They've made some good moves. So Nets fans should be excited about that. And we've talked about how when you're so as bad as the Nets, anybody you add is more talented than you have. Any talent is good talent, but. They're they're actually adding good quality talent with Carroll and Russell, so they've they've made some good moves. I would say it's a good off season for them. Uh, the only downside to what they've done so far, 
Uh, we talked about how they signed Otto Porter to that offer sheet. The Wizards did match, as was fully expected. Shouldn't surprise anybody. We even said last week that they were going to match, and they officially did. So Porter's going back to the Wizards, so the Nets miss out on him. Quote-unquote miss out. They never really had much of a chance. But what I was really upsetting or frustrating for Nets fans, I think, is the fact that they didn't get Contavious Caldwell-Pope, the former Detroit Piston, because he was another restricted free agent. We talked about it last week how they constantly, in the last few years, have been throwing huge contracts at restricted free agents. Essentially, the only end has only result has been these restricted free agents getting paid more by their original teams because all these teams are matching and the Nets aren't really getting anybody. But we talked about how it's a it's a great move because maybe someone doesn't match and you end up with a good player. That's what happened to the Knicks. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a restricted free agent. The net the Hawks had an opportunity to match that contract and they didn't because the Knicks gave him more money than the Hawks wanted to offer up, more money than most people around the league thought Hardaway was worth. A lot of people don't like that contract. The Hardaway got too much money. It's a lot of money, but I think Hardaway's a good player. I think it's a good sign for the Knicks. But Caldwell Pope, the Pistons ran out of cap space and ran out of uh, position guard positions, spots at the guard position to offer Caldwell Pope, to be able to match Caldwell Pope, whatever he signed. So they took uh, the restricted yeah, tag yeah. off of him, and he became unrestricted. And so the Nets could have offered him any the kind of they offered Otto Porter that huge contract, so they have the money. And as I mean, that, we talked about how they had the money, so they could have given an offer to Caldwell Pope and bring him in. But he signs with the Lakers one year, eighteen million. Yeah, it's tough for the Nets. The only I mean, you could argue that Caldwell Pope's not going to make them a winner this year. It was it been a for the future move, and so maybe they look to sign a superstar later down the road with more money, and when they're a little further into their rebuild. Because a guy like Cole Pope isn't going to help you even in the next couple of years because there's not enough talent around him to do a whole lot. But it would have been a nice sign, and I think it would have been a per- I mean, then you if you sign Caldwell Pope for the Nets, you're looking at your point guard, shooting guard, small forward, all b- being significantly upgraded this year with Russell Pope, Caldwell Pope, and Carroll, uh, and you had a Jared Allen at center in the draft. But you miss out on him. I, but I even even. Even with that, I would think the addition of D'Angelo Russell and Damari Carroll, I would chalk this offseason so far up as a win for the Nets. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Knicks as well. I think both both team, New York teams have done a pretty good job. Yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job uh, keeping basketball quick. Uh, we got no more on it. When we come back, we're showing you guys a new segment never before heard on the Empire Rates Back podcast. Empire Rates Back. I'm John. He's Sean. We'll be right back. And we are back, folks, for the home stretch here. Uh, once again, I'm site expert John Franklin, alongside with site expert Sean Dyer, and we're going to open up with a new segment we like to call "Please Go Away" or "Please Come Back." One of us is going to one of us is going to talk about a player or someone, something that we want to go away from one of the teams that we cover, and somebody or something that we want to come back to the teams that we cover. So, Sean, why don't you kick things off with this? Uh, Highly anticipated segment. Alright, so I'm going to start it off with a please come back. And I don't think anybody's expecting it, including you, John. I'm going to say please come back, Mariano Rivera. The Yankees' bullpen has just been such a mess. 
Who? What better answer than Mar- the great one, Mariano Rivera, number That's forty-two? Fair. You don't you, ch- you slide Chapman down to the eighth, Batanzas to the seventh, and get and cl- get Clippard out of there. I mean, who better than Mariano Rivera? He's the greatest of all time by far, uh, and I think. Maybe not. He's been out of the game for a while, but when he retired, I think he had more left in the tank. So I think he, he may not have made it to 2017, but uh, I, I certainly miss Mo, uh, the Sandman. It's not the same when Chapman comes in out of those doors and there's uh, no answer Sandman. So I would uh, please come back, Mo. I want you back in the Yankee bullpen. So I'm going to go please go away. I'm going to stick with the Yankee bullpen and actually reference an article that I wrote uh, a week or so back. Please go away, Tyler Clippard. I've had enough. Um, your rec specs, your baggy pants, what have you. Pack them up. Put them in a suitcase. Go out the door. I've had enough of everything you've had to say to the media. I don't care about what track you're on, what direction you're going, because clearly it's not the direction the Yankees want you going in. I am also going to reference something I wrote within the article. I was in a public place. I was in a Starbucks, a place where... I went to just get a coffee and clear my thoughts of the Yankees' loss from the day before. And I couldn't even do that because the barista looked at me in my Yankee shirt or hat, I forget which one I was wearing, um, and he said, Tyler Clippard's just got to go. So I'm going to reiterate one more time. Tyler Clippard, if you're out there, if you're an Empire Rights Back fan for whatever reason, as he should be, be, if you're listening and you're hearing my voice right now, I want you to hear this. Please. Please. Go away. We're asking nicely. We're saying we, please. We, we open it with please. I'm not a nice person by nature, but I'm at least offering you a polite way of going. So please get out of the Bronx. We're being nice. If he's not gone by next podcast, he may not be quite as nice. E- exactly. But yeah, so those go hand in hand. We'll get rid of Clipper. We'll throw Mo in the bullpen. And e- probably exactly. 789. We're looking good. World Series number 28 will be on our way. Easily. And now we're going to go to everybody's favorite segment, the one that you all know, our final thoughts. Uh, Sean, you kicked off last time. So I believe that I'm going to kick off this time. My final thought heading into this week is that the New York Yankees are going to make the playoffs this year as the division winners. That's my final thought. I like it. And just to kind of pair off the final thought to that is the reason that they make it is, yes, all the injuries coming back, you know, Castro, Holiday, what have you. But I think Tanaka is really going to turn it on second half of the season and become the starter we expect him to be at the beginning of the season. I would agree with that. I think Tanaka is on his way back. Uh, but my final thoughts, I'm going to say... This weekend, big series for the Yanks. Three, four games four against games the Sox. Four games in Boston. Uh, I'm going to say they take three out of four. That's a good one. Putting them a half game back at first. And then to add on to that, I'm going to say this kid Garrett Cooper just got him today for Tyler Webb from the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm going to say he's up by the end of the, uh, in, we'll say two weeks. I like that. A little bit before the deadline. They bring him up before the deadline, see what he's got before deciding if they need external options. So we'll give him a run. I agree. I mean, G-Man Choi, he's all right, but I think this kid Garrett Cooper might be a quick answer until uh, Greg Bird makes his ultimate return in 2018. And also, Cooper could stick around and platoon. You never know. Yeah, well, yeah, he's a right-handed batter. Right, so Cooper's a righty, so he could platoon now with Choi, who's on the left side, and then Bird in the future. Yep. So I think they give. I think when you make a trade like this, there's no reason to get rid of a guy, Tyler, who's in your major league bullpen if you're not going to give this guy a shot. Yep. So give him a shot before the deadline. 
if he hits, he he stays. And if not, then you look for an external option like a Lucas Duda. Yep. But until you see what this kid has, I don't know if you go outside the organization. I agree with that. And we're gonna uh pretty much call it a call it a night here, Sean. It was a good podcast. We listened to our fans out there, you know, they wanted it shorter. We kept it a little shorter. We just brought you a new segment this week. There are new things coming, more things coming from us. Make sure you check us out on all forms of social media. We're on Facebook, Empire Writes Back. We're on Twitter, at Empire Writes Back, backspelled B-C-K. Sean here, he's on Twitter, at Sean R. Dyer. And I'm on Twitter, at Hey It's Franklin 6 We've loved having you, folks. It's been a journey. He's Sean Dyer. I'm John Franklin. Let's take it to the weekend. Have a good one. Beef, beef, beef.